It's Podomania, starring Kevin and Sam. Potomania was filmed in front of a live studio audience. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Potomania with Sam and Kevin. I'm Kevin. Sam, I'm still here. Sam. You're still Sam. Uh, and we have a very, very fun episode uh, filled with uh, as many member berries as you can find. Member, uh, you remember? Member, <laughs> I remember. Uh, there will also be quite a few uh, uh, Chris Farley show moments. You you remember in in that show <laughs> when when they did that thing? Yeah, did uh, when when you were with the Beatles? Uh, remember? Wasn't? Yeah, that was great. That was great. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shout outs to the people who get that reference. Oh, yeah. You are old. We all are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you get that reference. Yeah. Uh, make sure your 401ks are taken care of and you got a nice. Yeah. What's your, what's your retirement plans? You know, retirement plan. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Senior Talk on the. Yeah. Uh, Middle Age <laughs> Band Talk on Potomania. Potomania um, is uh, sponsored by Colonial Pen. <laughs> Also, invest in gold because this is a lie we tell people. <laughs> I'm what is it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Is it Devane? I can't remember his first name. I don't remember. Is it Adam Devane or Will Devane? So, sounds vague. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I forget. <laughs> Colonial pen. Yeah. I'm here in my helicopter to encourage you to buy gold. It's the one thing that will always have value. Really? The one thing? Yeah. Like, like water will never have, will at some point have right. no value. Right. Yeah, oil is still pretty valuable. Oil's still very, it will be more valuable even, it'll still be valuable even when we have no cars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll probably be a, a black market for it. Yeah. Uh, so our topic for today is top five childhood shows um now before we get into that and the parameters around that i want to i have a little soapbox here i want to kind of stand on for a second awesome um and it's related to television and i th i thought about writing a blog post for my website on it but i decided i needed to say it out loud so i oh, saved good. it for this um so recently, um, on Netflix, a new show dropped, um, Masters of the Universe Revelation. It is a continuation of the original Masters of the Universe He-Man show, sort of. Um, show run uh, by Kevin Smith, actually. And I've been following this for a few months because I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Mm -hmm. I was never really a He-Man fan. That was past my time. That was way past my time. Um, um, and but 
it, it always intrigued me. Uh, there was a reboot series in like 2002 I thought was really good. I caught that one, um, but I never became a He-Man fan. And with this one, I was just kind of curious to see what a He-Man show run by Kevin Smith would look like. Mm -hmm. So I watched it and it was really good. And um, there are a ton of fans online who hate it to bits. Yeah, that's the one thing I know about it. Um, first of all, so there's this side character, Tila, that in the original series was like, you know, his his girl is not 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 his girl like his girl, but like she was the girl on this show that was intended for boys, um, and she was like she knew Adam and like oh Adam you're such a such and such, um, and then when he would turn into He Man she didn't know that he was he that Adam was He Man, um, and she would fight right alongside He Man and be like boy He Man you're such a we make a great team, you and I. And they would fight, you know, she was a warrior and they would fight together and stuff. Um, so the series, in the series, spoiler alert, He-Man dies um, in the first Wow, one. that's a bold choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Master of the Universe, not He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. Um, or this version, anyway. Um, and it follows the, it kind of, follows the path of Tila realizing she's been lied to by this person she thought was a friend and what that's like um, when that person isn't around for you to be angry at. Um, Skeletor is gone, He-Man's gone, magic is draining from this world and it's also like what is this world that's so connected between technology and magic when there's suddenly no magic anymore what's it going to do to that and well as well as the rest of the universe and it kind of follows them trying to put things back together it's only five episodes got released it's part one of the season the second part's going to drop at the end near the end of the year anyway and it ends on a cliffhanger adam comes back to life he's going to help them they're just about to get everything together and then all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, Skeletor, who's been hiding in wait, uh, appears. He stabs Adam through the back, leaves him for dead, takes the power sword and says, I have the power, and he becomes what they call Skele-God. Um, and so the second half is obviously going to be like, Skeletor has literally all the power, and wow. now what's going to happen? A lot of fans were upset because, one, in the lead-up to the show, there were a lot of trailers focusing a lot on Tila and not much on He-Man. And they were like, is this show going to be He-Man without the He-Man? And they kept saying, no, it's not. And so they have a lot of fans. And I can understand feeling like, oh, we were lied to. But the other half of it is all these fans, a lot of these fans, not all of them, but a lot of them, they're very much in the vein of... This isn't exactly the thing I wanted from when I was a child. And yeah. you social justice warriors are just trying to shove your, you know, a political, politicizing something as dumb as He-Man. It's a cartoon still, right? Last it's a cartoon, checked. and he's not gone. Like, the, it, it's, it, it baffles the mind. And it upset me how much people hated 
hated it and to what lengths they were willing to go to the point to where it has a 75, last time I checked was a few weeks ago, the show has a 75% uh, critics approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really good. Yeah. It has a like 25 audience review uh, uh, review on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's because it got review bombed by all these trolls being like, I hate it. Therefore, it needs to be seen as a bad thing by everyone. Uh, it got the Captain Marvel. Treatment. Got the Captain Marvel. It got the Captain Marvel treatment, and uh-huh. it it just started me down this path of being like, I am done with fandom. There was mm-hmm. a point where saying you were a member of a fan community was it. It felt nice because you were you were part of something that was all about we positivity we all enjoyed this thing and we're bonded together by it and now politics has managed to reach its way in there yeah. and now you can't just be a fan of something and you know now everything is a message everything is a this or that it's it's right yeah. left it's whatever everything people read so much into it and and it's at this level of i hated it Therefore, I need everyone to be miserable. Yeah. Like, I, it, it can't be like, I hate it, but you enjoyed it, and I'm happy you enjoyed it. That doesn't exist anymore. And I was going down this list. I made a list of all the things, because it's not just, like, it, it's happened so much. It's like, like you said, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, Man of Steel, the Snyder Cut. Uh, She-Ra apparently got a lot of the the reboot of She-Ra on Netflix got a lot of backlash from fans because apparently She-Ra wasn't sexy enough. Uh, kids show. It's not a re. Yeah, Ghost yeah. Ghostbusters, uh, the uh, female reboot. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't think that was a good movie, but it had nothing to do with the fact that they were all four women. It has had to do with the fact that they were all the weird one. Yeah, there was yeah, no that, there was no straight man. Yeah, in the four, there was no Egon. They needed an Egon that was very stiff in order yeah. to bounce the comedy off. But they were all doing their weird thing, and it right. kind of fell flat. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and and then I realized Star Wars started this. It goes yeah. back to the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, I was a ch- I was a kid when the Star Wars prequel came out. I yep. liked it. I thought Jar Jar Binks was an interesting character. Was very funny because I was a child. Do yeah. I enjoy it now? No, he's annoying as hell. But when I was a child, I enjoyed it, and I still have fond memories for those movies. So you can imagine me growing up as a kid, watching these things, loving them, and having this cadre of adults be like this is crap and anyone who likes it doesn't know star wars and that was the attitude i was ashamed to say i liked the prequels for so long i had to be like oh those are all crap but i loved watching them and i still do and like that's what this does every every fandom that you don't like is someone's entry point into being a fan of something so don't crap on it just because you don't like it sure criticize it yes but in a positive way not in this toxic way and it actually now that i think about it off the top of my head this actually even goes farther back than that because 
two things came to mind. One, when they were casting Batman, the Tim Burton movie, everyone said, really, Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? This is going to be terrible Batman movie. It's going to be just like the Adam West thing. And they're just going to be campy and dumb. And this Michael Keaton guy is not going to be a good Batman. And now most people are like, he's the best Batman. And, the, and, and then in, I'm not that much of a Star Trek guy, but Star Trek, when I know when the original series ended and then they brought it back as movies and they started doing all these movies the they started the when they made the transition of bringing it back to tv as the next generation they had the next generation on tv and they had the original star trek cast in the movies and there was a lot of people being like the star trek the real star trek is kirk and spock and mccoy yeah. This whole Jean-Luc Picard and, and Worf and like, this isn't Star Trek. This is terrible. And that Wesley guy, I hate him. It was, it was a kid. He was a child actor. And fans ah! trolled the hell out of him. Out of a child. Wow. A child who got a job to do something he loved in a genre he loved. Yeah. And people like treated him like, he was a murderer or something. And it just, it, it, it just dawned on me like, oh, this, this comfort world of fandom where everyone gets along and we're bonded, but it's never existed. It's, it, yeah. it's been a majority of what fandom has been, but that toxic park was always there. And now it's just grown. And now it's just because of the internet and Twitter. Now that's all it is. And yeah. I'm a fan of something and I love it, but Lord knows if I'm going to another convention or anything. I mean, certainly not with COVID and everything, but just the whole idea of like, oh, we're bonding together from, you know, we have all these things alike. Let's not talk about all the differences. Becomes, which one do you like? You're yeah. like the wrong one. You're terrible. Like, yeah. it's supposed to be about us coming together. What right. do we like? Not about what do we not like. Mm -hmm. Who cares what we don't like? Yeah. It's all about what we love. And Fandom has not been that for a long time. Anyway, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Good thing uh, Space Jam uh, didn't have any of these problems. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that you know we had Space Jam that everyone united behind and said, you know what, LeBron's going to do a great job. Uh, you know, the bunny doesn't need to be sexy. The bunny can be whatever it wants. Yeah. Um, the storyline, it's okay that it's for kids because the first one was for kids. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. And everyone was fine with And with it's LeBron fine that the whole movie is a product placement for HBO Max. Yeah. I'm fine with that, with product placement literally in every scene. Have you seen that, by the way? Because I have not. I saw, I, the, I saw the Honest trailer for it, and I was like, holy God. No. I'm I, not seeing this movie. The, the one argument that I was, I went along with, but I re regret was the complaining about what the jerseys look like. I was like, yeah, those jerseys stink. They do, but so I was out after that, but oh, it's just, no, I can't, I can't watch it. Just the, what I do know about it, because I would spoil the movie. The one thing I know about it, I'm not going to spoil on this podcast, I think is a terrible decision and is, uh, 
Oh, also attributes. I'll tell you once we're done, you know, when we're not recording, mm -hmm. uh, it attributes this famous line, uh, a Looney Tune line to the, to a different character simply because something is happening. That's weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, oh, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm not watching that. But I also am not going to watch the original Space Jam anytime soon because I'm not a child anymore. And for the record, this actually brings up one other weird thing that has nothing to do with nothing. Um, when I was, you know, a, a kid at that time, though a little older than you, as I still am a little older than you, um, bask in your eternal youth, Kevin. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm basking. Bask in it. My, I had a minor disagreement with one of my friends who we played basketball with every chance we got. That's why I went to school was to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And then it was interrupted by classes. Um, me and my friend James would disagree because he was a huge Space Jam guy. And the other basketball movie that came out that time was the Wayans Brothers movie, The Sixth Man. Ah, I remember that movie. I loved that movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, see, that's what I thought. I, I don't but, I don't trust it enough, my memory enough to watch it again. There is no way I'm watching that again because I'm sure that doesn't hold up. I'm very sure it doesn't hold up. But <laughs> at the time at the time it meant everything to me because basketball meant everything. Also, I was on a basketball team with my older brother. So if you know anything about the movie The Sixth Man, that hit me right in the heart. Like that was everything to me i thought that was great i love i love michael jordan but the sixth man come on so much better than space jam <laughs> you here to hear folks six the 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 sixth man is the official basketball movie of choice by potomania that's right and if you like space jam um you are a terrorist un-american uh liberal or right winger whichever pick pick your pick whatever one you want yeah whatever you are trash person yeah and you, you yeah you tree you tree love an insurrectionist yeah yeah we'll put them together there we go yeah you're both <laughs> um, <laughs> all right so it's i mean this all kind of ties together we're talking about childhood stuff yeah. uh, so our list to our list top five childhood shows this is one of the first topics i thought about doing when we were going to do tv and i thought it would be really easy and then i just started to make just you know while i was at work i had a little break and i started just jotting down ideas show things that i could probably consider and i kept going and i ended up with 43 choices yep <laughs> I remember i I remember I, t I texted you and I said, uh, <laughs> would you think about maybe doing 10? And you were like, we could, but it would be like four hours long. It would. Based on how long we take to talk about five choices. Right. It's so, like, that's a very good point. As, I, much as, I, as much as I love it, Kevin, we would be, there's certain shows that uh, we yeah. would, I'm not going to mention because it would ruin my list that I think we have a little overlap on, I think. And we'd just be talking about those things off and on for like four hours. Yeah. You know, um, that's a, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like a Patreon <laughs> exclusive or a Patreon torture, I don't know. 
Yeah, if you would like a Patreon for Potomania, please uh, um, send us money yeah. to Potomania at yahoo.com and uh, say, uh, make, a make a Patreon and uh, we'll consider it based on how much money you give. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just, just send us, you know, your bank information, your credit card information, mm -hmm. just take pictures of them and then we'll withdraw the amount of money we feel like is necessary. Um, Scout's honor. Um, <laughs> so 43, I did whittle down 43 shows into five. And one thing I did was... I, because it could have gotten even bigger, but I was like, I need to set a limit on what I define as childhood shows. And so I, I thought like, okay, 14 would probably be the max age. Because yeah. 14, I was still in middle school. I was in eighth grade. And then going into ninth grade high school, so I was right at the transition point. So I feel like that was a good age. That's a good age to draw the line. And then the other thing I was like, how many of these shows can I actually go back and watch and enjoy now? And like, hold up. Either me enjoying them as an adult or showing a kid that was rough, that's roughly the age I was when I saw it and have them enjoy it the way I enjoyed it. Um, versus how many of these are just, I loved them when I was a kid and they don't age well and they're not any good. Um, so that right away eliminated about half my list. Um, and I was able to narrow it down. Um, did you have any kind of, uh, kind of uh, way to whittle things down? Did you even have that problem? Um, I had the problem, but I, the way I willed it, willed it down, part of it was, um, and kind of dips into my honorable mentions, I did go with the age parameter and the, uh, quality level and the, also I weighed heavier if it aired at the time, you know, aired at the same time as I was growing up, as in, I wasn't catching it on reruns. Oh, was a was a uh, was a was a big one for me. Um, even though I think uh, one of the one of the things one of the shows on my top five, I'm pretty sure I think I caught on reruns. Um, I actually did that too because I used to as a kid I would watch a lot of Nick at Night, and that's how I watched like Happy Days and uh, Bewitched and I yeah. I watched all those, but I was like eh, I'll exclude that because yeah. you know. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up because that is basically more than half my honorable mentions. Mm, yeah. Nick at Night. I mean, I'm telling you, this is just comedy gold. Dick Van Dyke, Get Smart. Oh, um, yeah. What else we got? Uh, Mary Tyler Moore. I think I watched some Leave It to Beaver. Um, Andy Griffith is just. In case anybody out there is wondering, Sam is white. I um, am so white. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Family Matters, uh, What's Happening, uh, Different Strokes, uh, The Wayne's Brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never watched any of those shows. No. Oh, I thought, you gonna... <laughs> I thought you were like, well, I've also seen. Yeah, no, I have. I've. Uh, you never I... caught Urkel? <laughs> no, I absolutely. Uh, 
with the exception of uh, with the exception of what's happening, yes, I did watch all the rest of those shows. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. What? Uh, oh, I t- Family Matters. That is a bit. Oh, that one I feel like doesn't age very well. No, but at the time, and I tell you, uh, this is my one opportunity. What's his name? Uh, uh, Jaleel White. Yeah, yeah. That guy, ha- he got he got Adam West. But actually worse because this guy has comedic talent. You watch that show. The guy's talented. Oh, yeah. He can act. And yet he got stuck in this box because he did this show for so long that, I mean, he acted afterwards, but was not allowed to have the same uh, similar impact on our popular culture because he was typecast. Yeah. You know what the problem was on that show, including the character of Stefan? Yeah. Where... Urkel would turn into a sexier version of himself, which was basically just Julia White as right. himself. Right. I think you got to see who he really was. Where yeah. if he just did the entire series as Urkel and you never got to see, except maybe in interviews, what the actor actually looked like, then post Urkel, you would have been very interested to be like, what's he like when he's not doing Urkel? Yeah. But at the end of the show, it's like, well, like, I kind of know what it's like, so I don't really care. Yeah. But also, yeah, typecasting. Um, yeah. Uh, you said honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, aside from aside from all of Nick at Night, you know, all the white shows and some of the African-American shows, um, uh, I would say uh, with some more white shows, Saved by the Bell. Um, Animated show, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm, yeah, I thought about that one. Um, great uh, animated show, Aladdin. Oh, yeah, I watched that. That was a great show. Wasn't that great? That was a great show, yeah. And uh, another animated show that just came to mind just because that was the, this was the animated show that I could only watch if we were lucky while we were cleaning up because it, it happened later in the day and Saturday was the day that we cleaned up the house was the x-men oh yeah i loved that show i mean that was a really important one um unfortunately doesn't make my top five just because uh, i don't know if it was just the victim of a lot of reruns or a limited run or or what or just my ability to watch them all because you know life got in the way um but that one was a was a really good one. But I think it hurt itself because they kept replaying the pilot over and over again every yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I can only see Morph get killed so many times. I know. Yeah, but that was. A, I mean, when it was on, it was really good. It uh, it brought to life a lot of the classic stories, especially the um, Days of Future Past, which I think is probably their best episodes. Yeah, yeah. That, was a that just blew my mind as a, as a kid because I never wa- read any of those comic books. My inter- intro really was the cartoon, so I was all in. Mine too, yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And uh, that, is, oh, and my other honorable mention is an obscure one. And I only mention this really because of kind of the innovation it was. The show called Reboot. Oh yeah, I watched yeah. that one too. That's one of my forty-three. Oh my yeah. word, that is awesome, Kevin. Yeah. Now I had to remind myself what the show was about. 
because yeah. I can't remember what it looked like. It's about Bob, a guardian of the supercomputer, helped by his friends Dot, Enzo, and Dog Brisket, defend the digital city of Mainframe from evil computer viruses that seek to dominate the city and infect the entire net. It takes so, inside a computer. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, uh, you're- That's uh, vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah, you're like what, your antivirus software? Um, but, <laughs> Basically. But, but the I, how they delivered that show was so cool. The Just the 3D technology that they did, the programming that they did for that show. That was very early, all 3D animation show. Yeah. Just incredible. It was so groundbreaking. And then the, the conceit of it, I didn't understand any of that stuff. What I understood was every once in a while, there was like this, I don't know, like this cube thing or whatever that would happen. I don't know if it yeah. was... And it was like like a game or something. Yeah, and they'd all have to go in there, and there was a timer where you could have, you had it was a limited amount of time where you could go in there, and then and you'd be locked in there, and you'd have to like fight the viruses. Yeah, yeah. And that just blew my mind as a kid. That's all I remember about that show. But I have to mention it because it was just so groundbreaking. Yeah, I, you know, thinking about that show, and you bring up like it's basically antivirus software. The show. I'm like, did yeah. John McAfee invest in the show? I was gonna say he probably, you know what, before in between, you know, you know what, murdering people. I was gonna say, uh, uh, among his among his last thoughts were probably the show reboot and how it accurately portrayed the heroism of antivirus software. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's probably in his. Uh, in his note probably that's as dark i hope that's as dark as this podcast episode gets <laughs> that is uh, uh, this is the closest i come to a uh a goodbye john mcafee we knew too much about thee oh way too much um uh so a few of mine i'm not going to go through the entire list of 43 things uh but the ones that just missed out on being in my top five um, because really I knew what my one and two were and that was it. Mm. Like I kind of, I knew what they were definitely. I didn't know which order they would be in, but three, four, and five, I was like, oh, it could be literally anything. Yeah. Um, so these ones kind of missed out. Um, this is a callback to our first season of Potomania. Uh, WWF Raw is War. Mm. Uh, I watched that a lot. However, my bedtime was nine o'clock. And Raw always came on at nine o'clock. So I rarely got to watch the entire thing. If I was lucky, I got to watch like the first hour or the first half hour. Yeah. Um, but never the entire thing. So I would have to catch it on like, like I would have to, if I had managed to record it on VHS mm -hmm. or I'd have to, in the burgeoning days of the internet, go on the internet and like after an hour of trying to get everything set up, look at the you know not the highlights kids because back then videos on the internet that's crazy no Whoa. you get a little primitive text thing of like so-and-so came out and did this then this happened then this then yeah. and i would be like okay i'm caught up cool now i know what to talk about when i get to school yep um so <laughs> that, for that reason i was like okay just not on the list yeah um, uh this little show called doug which oh, I remember, yes. 
I loved that show. He, had, wow. he was always writing in his journal. And I always thought that was really cool. And all the daydreaming, you mm -hmm. know, he daydreamed himself as a superhero, Quail Man. Yep. Um, as like this pseudo James Bond character, as this kind of uh, Indiana Jones type character. Um, yep. He had a dog. His best friend was Blue. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was this entire city that just loved beats. Yeah, Patty um, Mayonnaise. Patty Mayonnaise, these weird names. Uh, a band that's clearly the Beatles, but it's called the Beats. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a weird, but like, I want to say friendly show. I don't know why that's the thing that comes to mind. Um, but I, I really loved it. Yeah, it's positive. Uh, yeah. Um, the other one. Um, so... In the 90s, there was a show that was really big um, among a lot of people I knew at the time called Hercules of the Legendary Adventures. Now, the person who stars in that is human trash Kevin Sorbo. Um, however, disappointed. Disappoint We're all disappointed, Kevin. <laughs> we all are. Oh, um, I think he's star of God is Not Dead 3. Okay. I wish I was. I wish I wasn't making that up, but I'm pretty sure I I'm right. was in the first one. I remember seeing trailers for that, and being like, "This looks bad." Okay, maybe like, that's what really he bad. Oh, it's like, okay, clearly you're you're a Christian who has never ever met an atheist ever, <laughs> ever in your life, and so you're just trying your best, and it's coming out cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking as, speaking as someone who does believe in God, you're not helping Kevin Sorbo. No, you're not. not bad, bad Christian cinema is not helping the cause at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, but there was another show called Young Hercules that was run on Fox Kids that was supposed to be connected. Like, this is the Kevin Sorbo Hercules but as a, like a teenager. Yeah. He starred a very young Ryan Gosling. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, wow. I loved the show. I loved the show. I watched it over and over and over again. Unfortunately, it's not available to watch anywhere. Um, uh, but there were, there, there was this episode where I remember watching and his friends call him a wet blanket because he's always, you know, being Mr. Responsible, you know, the big blue boy scout, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and he goes to help out his cousin, uh, Hephaestus, the god of the forge. And he talks about, like, changing your heart. And he says, yeah, the fire here that I use in my forge, you know, the gods can use it to change your personality, change the type of person you are. And and so he goes off at some point and then he's like, I want to be more like my father Zeus and, you know, like live my life like there's a fire inside me, like, like Zeus did. And so he turns into this big jerk. He has an endless appetite. He uh, becomes a womanizer, basically, as much of a womanizer you can be on a kid show. Um, uh, he becomes kind of a bully. Um, and also he starts like just heating up and like sweating all the time and setting things and getting the ability to set things on fire. Um, 
eventually they fix it and he goes back to normal. But I remember watching it being like, wait a minute, he wants to be more like Zeus and he becomes a jerk? That's yeah. not Zeus I know, at least not from the animated movie. And I had not, and then of course at some point I learned about real Greek mythology and I'm like, oh, that's why. Uh, Greek mythology. Uh, I yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, no, that was accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, the only other show that I really consider this was this was my number five for a very long time, and then I kicked it off um, because it doesn't age very well. Uh, Spider-Man: The Animated Series. It was on around the same time as the X-Men animated series. A little oh. bit older. Ran for five seasons from 1994 to 1998. Um, it was some good Spider-Man stories. And that was actually my, like, that was my Spider-Man for a very long time. Uh, they also, like, put in some computer animation. It was all 2D uh, animation. But they used a few, like, 3D techniques in it, which looks really bad now. Um, the web slinging and stuff. Uh, they also it was they also did a lot of um, recycling old clips over and over again. Like when he's going from building to building. Yeah, or like there's an attack and it's the same attack from like this one episode and it you know or there's yeah. a ceiling collapse and it's the same ceiling collapse in every episode you know every episode that they need it. Yeah, uh, clearly you know budget cutting things um and it was a great show it did a lot of things really cool um but you know i go back and watch it and first of all he's in college and even even there peter parker still looks a little old um, this is a cartoon yeah it's so, and he still looks and he still old. looks a little too old to be what peter parker should be um but uh, it, so it doesn't quite age very well. It's not the best. Um, uh, so that's why it's not on my list. Um, anyway, now let's get into our list. Um, I believe you went first last time. So I'll go first this time. Um, Makes sense. Uh, so my number five is a show that was all about, you know, as a kid, you never got to watch many things that were too scary. Um, but this show kind of, it was my entry point into, you know, more scary kind of edgy things, more adult mm -hmm. storytelling. Um, and this was, and that's kind of why I put it on there. It was my first thing of like, oh, this is kind of a, an older show. And you know, it was my first exposure to that kind of thing. Um, so my number five submitted for the approval of the, of the Midnight Society. My number five, Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> oh, classic. Um, oh, nice. Uh, it ran from 91 to 96 and then had a kind of a reboot in 99. Uh, to 2000 the leader of the midnight society originally was this guy named gary and his little brother tucker and then for the reboot or the sequel series that lasted about two years his brother tucker which is the same actor now grown up a little older was now the new leader 
and it was a new Midnight Society. And it was an anthology series. Every episode was a different one. Horror stories, kind of like a mixture between if you took the Twilight Zone and mixed it with American Horror Story. That's kind of mm. yeah. made it for kids. Um, or at least like preteens and teenagers. Um, they had popular reoccurring characters um, like Mr. Vink, um, who was this really weirdo, big weirdo. Everyone who ever met him was always like, uh, what a nutbag. They specifically always described him as a nutbag behind his back. And then he would always frighten them because later he would like a few minutes after they called him that, you know, before they leave, he'd be like, and I am not a nutbag. Um, and it'd be like, ooh, scary. But then I, I was thinking as I was putting together this, what if he just says that to everyone? Even if, like, I would love to see a version of that where <laughs> I am not a nutbag. Um, I never, I, I wasn't even yeah. talking to you. I don't know. <laughs> um, but if you know, had some ties to like real magic. And then they had this obvious con artist who's trying to, you know, just trying to sell magic things but he has no magic ability himself. Uh, Sardo, or Sado, um, he would always say it, uh, not Sado, Sado, uh, uh, with an A accent on the Joe or something like that. Wow. Um, they had two TV movies. One was a two-parter, um, uh, Tale of Cutter, uh, Cutter's Treasure, uh, that also starred uh, Charles Dutton as uh, the pirate cutter and uh, the tale of the silver sight, which was a TV movie that essentially started the second season of the second uh, series, which ended up being the final season, um, which took place in the real world and was about you know, because you always had the Midnight Society and they're telling their stories and all these supernatural things happen, but it's all within the context of a story they're telling each other. This one took place in their real lives. And it was the idea of this is the first actual supernatural thing happening mm. to them. And it involved, you know, the characters. And I remember it being really good. And um, it's a show I've actually gone back and And it's very weird to watch a few episodes here and there because you see there are all these guest stars who are like really young and it's like oh that's you know so and so and oh they turn out you know so it has all these little easter eggs of like oh hey that's you know um that's a young you know melissa joan hart or something you know i was um, gonna come in with a totally inappropriate name it was like a, hey that's a young jerry orbach <laughs> oh sam that never existed um, <laughs> I was going to say, he was born at the age of 45. He just came into the world going, try to remember. The <laughs> okay, Jerry, we get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so my number five, are you afraid of the dark? What's nice. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that one in a while. Way to go. Yeah. Oh. And by the way, uh, a lot of these shows now are available because of streaming elsewhere. But I kind of we uh, we now have, although we're not paying for it, so I feel fine talking about this out loud. Uh, right. We have uh, Paramount Plus, um, 
because my mother-in-law has Paramount Plus. Oh, nice. Because they're 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 one of the few they're one of the apparently millions of people who love watching CBS shows like NCIS and Blue Bloods and yeah. what have you. Apparently, there's a huge audience for those shows. They're always advertised as the most watched shows. Yeah. But I know no one who watches these shows except. For <laughs> anyway, they have it, and so we have it, and there is a ton of old school Nickelodeon stuff on there including Are You Afraid of the Dark so cool. anyone's interested in catching some of these shows that one is definitely on there cool. anyway your number five sir my number five is a little show called Sister Sister no um, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to be telling you the story the story of the uh, twin sisters of, uh, but instead a familiar animated show it's a tale about a family, about a father and a mother and kids who just don't age. This isn't a Stephen King show. This is The Simpsons. <laughs> from Matt Groening. Although, although Stephen King would steal from them a little later, well, steal, quote unquote, um, yeah. from their movie by having a book that took place under a dome. Oh, you're, oh, you're so right. You're so right. Oh, um, The Simpsons was one of the, I'm old enough to have watched it from the beginning. It is one of those shows that have stuck with me throughout the years that I watched with my family that we just loved. Mm -hmm. That especially the first five seasons are comedy gold. Oh, absolutely. When you have guys, not only James L. Brooks, Matt Groening, uh, Dana Gould, Conan O'Brien, mm -hmm. just to name, I just to name the the ones that first come to mind, that are just comic geniuses, delivering great episode after great episode. Conan's uh, the monorail, um, Homer at the bat, uh, the B sharps. Oh, and Homer does the uh, when he joins a barbershop quartet and yeah. the, as big as the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Just so many, so many great episodes, so many good laughs, all the great and disturbing uh, Halloween horror uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's just uh, the controversial uh, Michael Jackson episode that yep. uh, Lisa, Lisa, it's your birthday. Yeah. That is still a great episode. Mm -hmm. Good luck if you can find it. But if you can, you've probably bought the DVDs because yeah. I think they wiped it off streaming. But that is still a terrific, wholesome episode of television. And it's one of many. And that, he does the voice. He does. Even though for years he denied it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. think I think eventually the Simpsons people admitted it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, no, he came in and he did it. <laughs> yeah. I think that he, um, along with many things he took to the grave, uh, was his uh, actions with the voicing uh, voice on the Simpsons. Yeah. Because it was uh, on the credits, it was like John Smith or something. Yeah, it was, um, you know, a fake name. Yeah, yeah but oh, Lisa, it's your birthday. It was just so great. And that's just, I mean, just a few. I mean, uh, the great, uh, was it Who Shot Mr. Burns? I mean, the entire country was wondering who shot Mr. Burns. Yeah, that the was whole, a big deal. Oh, my word. When, and yeah. then just the, just the, the characters that they've created that have lasted over the years. 
that are the same joke over and over again and still funny. Still funny, yeah. The fact that Mr. Burns still never learns Homer's name. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Smithers, who's that uh, young firebrand over there? <laughs> who's, that, who's that guy in, uh, was it uh, Sector uh, 7G? Oh, Sector 7G, sorry. Yeah, it's like, that's, uh, that's uh, Homer Simpson. I'm like, ah, Simpson, eh? You know? <laughs> I mean, even though my, my impersonations are uh, Ted Cruz bad, but you understand <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. It, it's just a great show, a ton of characters. And there's a reason why they've lasted. Uh, I think they have, I, I think they have what? Like so many, I can't, I don't know how many seasons know. it's been. I think it's probably been close to 40 seasons. It's, it's up there. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's a little past 30. Yeah. I think it premiered in like 88. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about it's, it's about as old as me. So and it's still trucking. And it's still going. I mean, it's not as funny. No, but, but which is one of the reasons why it's lower on the list. Even I, who this is one of my all-time favorites, I stopped watching the show. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because part of it is the part of it is the writing drop-off. And the I think it took me a while to adjust to the new uh cartoon, whatever technology they're doing now. Yeah, that just kind of visually is weird. Yeah, it's also, and I'm just going to talk about it now. That's my number three. Oh, okay. My number three is The Simpsons. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, please jump in. Because I watched it all the time. There was a period of time I knew literally everything about The Simpsons. I knew all these little factoids. I had this book that that had every episode up until when that book was published had all these little flip outs on minor characters and little details and facts and um you know there was so much there's so much about the simpsons it's great that the other the thing that it kind of i feel like it's big weakness is the fact that it is still on and yeah still kept going because it it does reach a point to where well what hasn't the simpsons done yeah it's that south park joke of oh the simpsons did it first now the simpsons are treading on things they already did you know? yeah it's not like other you know family guy being like oh let's do this like oh the simpsons already did it oh yeah that it is now the it's where... like oh we already did that oh we already did that oh we already did that right yeah, yeah. it it's a it's a case where um i think uh marge is a classic case of um i don't know stockholm syndrome because yeah. she really should have left homer by now absolutely and I'll tell you that as as low quality as it is now, the the Simpsons movie actually showed they can be really good and really funny if they like really like focus on like a scene. Yeah. Thing. Um, but when it's like twenty three episodes, it's like uh, here's one, here's one, here's one. Yeah. Yeah. My um, my my because uh, I don't. This is probably the maybe the only opportunity we're going to have to talk about this. I love the Simpsons formula of the first 10 minutes has nothing to do with the main plot. Yes. So I love that. I it's love just that. pure funny intro. Yeah. And then we get into the plot. I love it when it's like, Oh, this, Oh, this is going to be a, a Lisa episode. And then that 10 minutes over. And then it's like, Oh, it's, Oh, it's a Homer episode. Yeah. I didn't expect that, you know, 
And yeah. I just kind of wrote down notable episodes that I remember really loving. Um, Who Shot Mr. Burns? Uh, I remember that whole summer going around and there was all, all this stuff and people like speculating like, who did it? Who did, you know, which, and what are they, what's the consequence? And I remember thinking, well, it's the Simpsons. There's probably not going to be any consequences. Yeah. <laughs> like, I doubt they're going to be like, this character is now dead. Although they eventually did kill a, char a few characters and never bought Yeah. Um, so, and I bought, me and my brother bought so many Butterfingers. Yeah. Trying to figure out who did it. Yeah. And you know I what? I still love Butterfinger to this day. Yeah. So you win. Yeah. You win, Nabisco. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it was that. And uh, the other thing, I'm sorry if I'm treading on your notes here. The genius of Bart Simpson's prank phone calls. Oh, yeah. Oh. I learned those are based on a real thing. Like there are audio tapes of this old comedian. Oh, yeah. Who basically had a, there was this bar owner he really didn't like or something like that. And there are audio tapes of him like calling him up and like doing what Bart does to this yeah. like act, but like legit. And the guy would be like, oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, yeah, is there an al alcoholic? Hey, no, oh, sorry, sorry, man. There's, you know, and he would no alcoholic here. <laughs> um, but he would like there are these. It, I learned about it like only a few weeks ago. Oh my word, I'd never heard. But apparently, the people who who did it were like, they had heard it and they were like, oh, this is hilarious. We'll have Bart do this. Um, right. My favorite one is uh, Amanda Hug and Kiss. Yeah. Amanda Hug and Kiss. Why can't I find Amanda Hug and Kiss? Maybe your standards are too high. <laughs> <laughs> because I loved every time that the guys at the bar would know he's been pranked and oh, would yeah. laugh. This is off. Oh. Um, Bart Sells His Soul was a great episode. Oh, that is that. good. Mr. Plow. I still get that song jingling in my head every, every now and again. My name. Yeah. Mr. Plow. <laughs> That's my name. name. My name again is Mr. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marge versus the monorail. Uh, Cape Fear. Oh, was yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, the, uh, the, rake, the rake gag with yeah. uh, that's so Bob. So funny. <sighs> that was my also first um, introduction to uh, uh, German. No. <laughs> yes. D, Bart. D. Um, the uh, musicals of uh, oh, oh, HMS Pinafore of uh, Pinafore and Rodgers and Hammerstein. Hammerstein? Yeah. 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 Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> two little girls from school are Yeah. And I love that episode. Lemon uh -huh. of Joy is a great episode where they, the lemon tree and Shelbyville steals it. Oh, um, yeah. And the kids go to get it, and there's all these bizarro versions of themselves. Yeah. Um, uh, the itchy, scratchy, and poochy show. <laughs> to this day, <laughs> it goes off the rails because of adding another character. I'm like, oh man, they're the poochie. They put a poochie in the show. 
because that's this is total. It was such a good episode, and um, good send up of like television, and like that whole thing. Uh, the, the best is horror episodes. Like the best said. is when they write off Fushi. Yeah, and he, he died on his way. I have to go back to my home planet, and then the the cartoon, everything is just terrible. Da, 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 da. Poochie died on his way to his home planet. He will never return. Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so many. Like, to there's um, my favorite treehouse of horror, and there's so many of them. To this to this day, even though I know they're probably not going to be the best, I still watch them. Every every year they do one, or I yeah. have a point to try and catch it. Uh, my favorite one is Treehouse of Horror Five, it's from season five, and that episode they had the Shinning, which was their take on the Shining. Yes. Uh, time and Punishment, where uh, Homer breaks the toaster, and fixes it, and somehow manages to travel back and forth through time. Oh yes, that is where I, an in joke between me and my brother Josh, that. For years, one of the many in jokes I have with my brother where only us, we get this reference of, okay, has, where are you? Where are you, Homer? Uh, tell us, what does it look like? Has anyone seen the movie Tron? No, no, no. Yes. I mean, no. <laughs> um, and Nightmare Cafeteria, where they basically eat all the kids. Um, oh, wow, yeah. The, I mean, there are just so many. Yeah, and all the teachers are getting fat. Oh yeah, and there there are so many lines from. Let me see how the free range children are doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quit your whining. You'll turn out all all drought and stringy. Um, <laughs> there are so many just random lines from Simpsons. I just I still to this day bring up, and how good a show it was, even though it has fallen off. The reason why I put it at my number three is because the fact that Conan O'Brien, who wrote for SNL for a really long time before writing for The Simpsons, said that writing for The Simpsons was like, you know, a comedy writer's graduate class, you know, graduate school. Mm-hmm. Like that was your finishing school is The Simpsons. Like yeah. he worked on SNL and he was like, no, like I became a better comedian and a better writer writing with the Simpsons, writing on that staff of writers. And the, that just shows how great those first, like I'd say maybe up to eight seasons, yeah, like are their best. And then it starts to tilt a little, um, but they're really great. And we could talk forever about the Simpsons, but. Uh, I, feel, I feel like now I'm fairly confident they'll probably will come up again. So I'm gonna stop my screen because um, they're gonna, uh, especially individual episode discussions Simpsons yeah. has got to come up oh yeah um so number four uh my number four um this was the first show that introduced me to an entire genre of television uh dragon ball z um yeah. the first anime i ever watched i had no idea it was made in japan um i eventually figured out um but it was on Cartoon Network. And I remember what it aired between 96 and 2003. Um, and there were three shows. There was Dragon Ball, which is 
like more of a kid show and is about Goku, the main hero, as a kid. Dragon Ball Z, which is about him as an adult. And then Dragon Ball GT was this really weird kind of bad like show about everyone else in the future. Where he gets a Gran Torino? Basically, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's all about cars and getting off lawns. And then, uh, yeah, and, 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 and yeah, Clint Eastwood sings credits at the end every time. Yeah. And my grand. <laughs> Tune in next time, kids. Um, but I remember just loving the show. I had no idea what it was. I thought it was weird that when they punched each other, they went flying through, you know, cliffs and they were fine. <laughs> and but I was like, oh cool, it's like superheroes, but like superheroes with martial arts, but they're not turtles. Um yeah. you know, and it, it was re it was this weird thing i and and like i almost instantly like fell in love with it. it became one of my favorite shows and i remember just desperately waiting for new episodes because they would get to the end of a saga of the show and then they would just start over again and i'd be like wait there's more though because they would always tease the next episode and i'd never get to see it until a few months later or like a year later. And it mm. felt like, I swear at the time, it felt like there would always be a period of like, I would see part of the show and then I would have to wait a full year to see the next part. And then it would end in the middle and I'd wait another whole year to see the next part. And, you know, but actually it was only like a few months, but as <laughs> I was so into it, like, the first two sagas aired between continuously between 96 and 99. The next chunk of the show aired between uh, uh, started up in April of 2000. So November 9 of 99 to April of 2000. That was the big gap that I was always complaining about that I, that I thought at the time was a like really long time, but yeah, this is a handful of months. No, because um, as a kid, as a kid, a week is a month. Oh, yeah. a month is a year. Yeah, that's why that's why summer vacation always seemed really cool because it felt like it's been so long since I was at school. Yeah, and now it as a parent, I'm like, is it is it over yet? Is it over yet? Now it feels like you know the opposite. But yeah, now it's like, how do I get one of those jobs where I get a summer break? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and well, now. It ran for 291 episodes. Wow. Um, they There was an original dub of the show from 96 to 98. Um, and then uh, it switched to a different uh, anim animation studio. Basically, Funimation had the, the rights to it. And they were working with Saban Entertainment, who created the Power Rangers and all that, uh, to dub the show. But then there were some rights things. They stopped, got canceled, and then they brought it back up. And Funimation still had the rights, so they did it with their own in-house talent, which meant if you watch the first few seasons, there's a whole bunch of episodes of these characters have different voice actors. And then now they have complete, they sound completely different. They eventually went back and redubbed all the first 67 episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember as a kid being just so like, why does Vegeta sound so different? And I had no idea it was a different voice actor. It never occurred to me. Right. Um, 
but this was my introduction to anime. I'm a huge anime fan to this day. Um, and this was my intro to it. And it was a big chunk of my childhood coming home afternoon, looking at my homework, thinking I can do that tonight. Cause my parents would always be like, do your homework first thing when you get home, don't do anything else until you finish your homework. And I'd be like, I can probably finish that up like 10 minutes before my parents get home. And then I'll be like, yeah, I did it first. First thing I did when I got home. Yep, sure did. And it would always be like, well, hold on. How many, how much time do I have until Dragon Ball Z comes on the air? And I'd be mm, like, okay, yeah. so it's coming on at 4.30 and 5. Okay, so I have about 30 minutes. I'll do whatever I can. And then Dragon Ball Z is on and everyone shut up and don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my number four. Nice. What's your number four? My number four, um, my number four is one that I'm positive. This is the one I'm positive I caught on reruns. That is uh, a sci-fi classic of some. Some folks bring this up when people talk about, okay, what should be rebooted, should be brought in, updated to today. Yeah. It is the story of during, the, during a government experiment into time travel, a scientist finds himself trapped in the past leaping into the bodies of different people on a regular basis and sorting out their problems whilst trying to get back home to his own time. My number four is Quantum Leap. Oh boy. Yeah, that one should be redone. Like that's so ripe for... I I watched it on, on reruns, but man, did I love the tar out of this show. Me and my brothers, this was just a great adventure every time. I'm positive we didn't watch it in order, and it doesn't matter. No, yeah. It is, I mean, it, it, it gave the world Scott Bakula, who continues to entertain us in NCIS whatever, and the underappreciated Dean Stockwell. Oh, yeah. Who Both those Ow. guys. Hell! Oh, it was so much. Yeah, it was that, and Sam! Sam! So, and I'm not going to say I like the show just because the main character's name was Sam, but I'm, I will say it helped. <laughs> but the likability of Scott Bakula, oh, oh yeah. boy, was just so good. And the formula, you can't beat it. Yeah. He leaps into a different person's body in the past yeah. and he has to solve a problem each week. That's easy TV gold. And it was great. And it's, and it was, it, I mean, it was fun. It was, it was cheesy. It was weird. It, and it was, but it was so much fun. The only reason it's lower on the list is because the legacy of it. I, I actually never watched the finale. People, this is one of the shows people complain hard about the finale. Oh yeah. Didn't it like end on a cliffhanger or whatever? Yeah. Like it, it sounded like it was open-ended and it went maybe it went on a little too long that's the thing is i liked it because i only saw mostly all the good episodes uh all the early on ones and then it, after a while you know you can only a guy leaping into a woman's body so many times eventually gets old yeah and but i mean there was but it was just the idea of of the of sam beckett trying to solve this problem while pretending to be somebody else the entire time in order to make his next leap 
was just so interesting. And you had so many cool, you know, guest stars that are proud. I, I haven't gone back and checked that, but I bet you could probably, you know, it went, it was on for a number of years. I mean, it was on for, it was on for it was five seasons, five seasons. So, you know, you you have a ton of guest stars on there that, that. Yeah. It ends with him and he never returns home. Yeah. Like, I think it ends, I'm thinking now, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it did end with a Sam never returned home text. Yeah. Which is hot garbage. Why do you, why would you do that? I mean, I actually understand the conceit of, of, of it leaving it open, of being like, and the adventures continue type of thing, but don't give me text. Yeah. Come on. So that's one strike against it. The other strike is that it, it eventually, it did run stale. Um, but when it was good, it was genuinely good. And some episodes stick with me for a long time. Uh, one of them being, uh, he leaps into the body of what, who I think is Elvis <laughs> at one point. Oh boy. And, and uh, no. another case where the most disturbing one, oh, there's a couple of disturbing ones where he leaps into the body of, I think somebody who was uh, mentally disabled. And that is a whole other. Ooh. That's a thing where, and the person is getting shock treatment. Ooh. So that stuck with 14 year old, uh, uh, no, 10 year old me uh, pretty hard. And then, and I think not a few episodes later, he leaps into somebody who's on death row. Mm -hmm. And that one was a grim one too, because again, you're dealing with these crazy circumstances where Sam has to under really hard circumstances, solve the problem. Or he's he's not only is he not gonna leap, he's gonna die. Yeah. And you're incredibly invested. And it's the I mean, it's the same formula every time. And you've got yeah. the but the incredible Dean Stockwell along the way, smacking that controller, trying to figure things out. And their chemistry was terrific. Yeah. And the backstory for um for Al, the backstory for Al is terrific about him being a Vietnam vet was so good but the best episode of quantum leap to my memory is when he leaps into his own body as a teenager oh yeah. and his senior year and he goes back home and he gets to see his parents and he sees his brother who's going to be going off to vietnam and and he gets to uh and he gets to uh play in the championship game one last time and like he has to hit the shot is basically he has to hit the game-winning shot in order to make his leap home. And, and that, that one, that whole, because when it was at its really best, you have all this formula, but when you start telling us about the backstory of these people we've been invested in, yeah, they hit a home run instead of them, you know, kind of punting or being kind of, I don't know, you know, yeah. up their own, you know, ear, they, they nail it. Yeah. And it's just great tv that was one of the episodes i watched over and over again it was as if it was quantum leap the movie it was a two-parter and that's a piece of tv that stuck with me because it was just it needed to be great and it was yeah so yeah so that's my number four love about that show um so my brother used to watch it all the time so i never really watched it um yeah but i always i would i would always catch pieces of it it would always be that show and then x-files 
Yep. And this weird Western show that he would watch. I forget what it was called. I think I know what it was called. Was it uh, Briscoe County Jr.? I think it was. With the great uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, I know nothing, but I remember this stuff. (laughs) Um, Oh, finally it's paying off and podcast (laughs) stardom. But I remember an episode of Quantum Leap still to this day. I want to go back and find it and watch it. Um, But I remember it was an episode where he leaps into the body of Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, my word. And he and the whole time Al is trying to talk to him and he gets too into the he he forgets he's not Lee Harvey Oswald. And Al keeps trying to like, you know, snap him out of it because it's like there's a timeline here. And we all know he's going to die. And if you don't figure this out and solve his problem before, you know, he pulls off the big thing, like you're stuck. And I don't remember how that episode ends, but I mean, obviously he's fine because that was not the last episode. Yeah. Uh, But I remember, because that was the first time I started learning about JFK, the whole assassination, the conspiracy all the different theories about, you know, you know, second shooters. Mm-hmm. Was he a kind of hypnotized kind of th- all these different like things I'd never known about. And that episode kind of coincided and it, it just imprinted on my brain. I've always wanted to go back and look at it, but wow. that's a good choice. That's a great choice. Thanks. Yeah. And if uh, if any of you folks do want to check, uh, learn about any sort of JFK conspiracies, I can recommend a podcast by the name of The Story Is, yep. uh, hosted by this guy named uh, Sam Logan. And uh, he spends a few episodes uh, looking into it. So yeah. I recommend that. Uh, I highly recommend those episodes. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I come out on a different uh, side than uh, you do, but. Um, Good. It's for. But it's fine. But it's and, fine. I, yeah, I never, I never, um, that I never. How friendship I, works. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You and I disagree on plenty of stuff, but yeah. that doesn't mean we, you know, don't get along. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I don't expect, uh, I never expect my podcast audience to agree with me all the time, because uh, that's what, that's how cults are formed. Yeah. So, speaking of cults, um, oh, is that your, <laughs> that is a great thing. Please tell me that's your next pick. Um, my number three, I've already talked about it. It's The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, my number two has a little bit to do with cults. Awesome. Um, but we'll get to that. So my number three we already talked about was The Simpsons. Uh, so back to you. What's your number three? My number three is a favorite of mine that I think is also a favorite of yours. <clears throat> my number three is a little show called Boy Meets World. That is my number two. Let's get to talking. I love that show. Does Uh, it rhyme? Does it rhyme with Stinkus? Oh, Minkus. Just Um, the early, just the early episodes. Yeah. Pure gold. I mean, oh, what a great cast. Very good cast. I mean, just the one of the all-time TV parents, especially the all-time TV dad. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but... it was hard to separate him from that role because I remember uh, William Russ played Alan Matthews, 
And to this day, one of my favorite movies is American History X. And he plays the father of the lead characters in that movie. And there's a one scene he's in, and it's a flashback kind of revealing that maybe the main character's racism started not just when their father died, Mm. uh, but maybe before that. And there's a scene where they're at the, at the dinner table and then the conversation kind of darkly descends and he uses the N-word. Mm. Um, and I remember watching that scene being like, what is Alan Matthews doing? <laughs> you know, I just could, I would just pulled out of the scene because I couldn't divorce Boy Meets World from, I was like, no, he's an actor, he's doing a job. But in my head, I'm like, that's Alan Matthews. And Alan yeah. Matthews doesn't do that. Yeah. Uh, but that was such a great, I mean, the great William Daniels uh, mm-hmm. as Mr. Feeney. Um, oh, so good. There was, childhood. I mean, not only the strength of that character, but the strength of that actor. Yeah. Uh, goes to show you why they stuck with him and kept him in so many episodes yeah. for so long on a show about Boy Meets World. It's supposed to be about this kid, but a lot of the times when you wanted to nail something, bring something home, or really important episodes, yeah, you had Mr. Feeney involved. Yeah, That's really, I mean, even more so than the dad. Yeah, he... Is he, Mr. Feeney. Yeah, he was the gravitas and the kind of emotional and intellectual like core like you know moral barometer so to speak of that show yeah Um, and he kind of became that for everyone watching and um you know when Corey played by the great ben savage me and my wife have a little thing where we talk about you can tell which generation you're from by which savage brother is your is your you know (laughs) part of your childhood is it ben or red um because for us it was ben savage right um and it was like oh he has a brother (laughs) yeah yeah see i was just old enough to have watched uh to been familiar with the wonder years and the great thing about knowing the wonder years and then watching the simpsons is there's this moment where bart or homer tells him he might have to get a job and then they have bart you know stares stares off into the distance and then you get the voiceover of, get a job? Was he serious? <laughs> Bart, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. <laughs> and this began a chapter in my life. Bart, stop that. Oh, yes. So, but yeah, no, the great Ben Savage, he was, he was actually pretty great mm-hmm. on this show. Will Ferrell um, played uh, Eric, his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryder Strong played Sean. Daniel Fishwell pl- played Topanga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one of the Lawrence brothers, Matthew Lawrence, came in as Jack, his uh, estranged half brother. Sean's estranged half brother in like season five. Oh, that's right. Um, and I, the first few seasons, I really enjoy. But it's the middle seasons when they're in high school going into college that kind of has always stuck with me. Really? Because uh, that, 
because I remember those are the one episodes I have such vivid imagination, like watching and then being like, what are they going to do next week? What's the next week's episode going to be? You know, and I remember thinking like, like when Corey, quote unquote, cheats on Topanga and kisses uh, this girl, Lauren, at a uh, thing, and then it becomes this huge thing and they break up. I remember that huge thing. And I remember it was the first time I felt upset by something that was happening on television. Yeah. I was like, no, Corey and Topanga are supposed to be together. What's this breaking up nonsense? Yeah. I'm nothing to him. And I actually went back and looked at the cast. That was played by the great, the character Lauren was played by the great uh, Linda Cardellini. Um, one of the side characters, Frankie the Enforcer, played by the great Ethan Soupli. Uh, oh, yes. Who <laughs> has been in a lot of things. Ton of stuff. Lost he, a ton of weight. The guy, talk about somebody who was just comic gold with saying very little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, absolutely. Uh, and Adam Scott, a young Adam Scott um, of uh, Parks and Rec fame. Um, yeah. Played uh, the secondary bully. The original bully of the high school was, um, oh, yeah. Oh, I forget his name. Uh, um, but Adam Scott came in once that character left and he played this other bully that was more of like a con artist, like too cool, yeah. cool kind of, kind of guy, uh, grip. It, feel, it felt like they basically, they didn't recast. It really felt like they recast. Yeah. Cause the original guy was kind of like a greaser, like beat you up bully. Right. It was more of a, like. Like, I'm going to pay you money to do this for me. Like, like I, I think his introduction was like he walked into class late and he paid this guy, this kid, like $10 for like, like, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for saving my spot. Here you go. Right. And he was like, I'm here to learn, man. You know, like he was just this laid back, really cool yeah. guy. Um, yeah, that's the thing. He was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and um, later when they get to college, there's the character of Dean Bolander, um, who's dean of the college and develops a relationship with Mr. Feeney. And they, you know, kind of become an item. Um, that was played by Bonnie uh, Bartlett. Um, no relation to the president. Um, Thanks for that distinction. <laughs> who was played by William Daniels. Uh, that's William Daniels' actual wife. No so, kidding. Yeah, so he got to act with his wife, which, as an actor who has a wife who's an actor, I'm like, oh, that that must be amazing. Um, mm. But the show, I mean, there are so many great episodes, so many great things. I mean, when I said cult, I mean, there's a great one where Sean joins a cult. Yeah. Um, oh, that the other thing about yeah about this show, I mean, is I mean, we talk about we we talked previously about you know Julia uh, White being typecast and being limited by the yeah. show that he excelled at there is an incredible cast on this show but that you wonder i mean people went on to do a bunch of stuff but the person yeah. who i was shocked didn't go on to other stuff was Ryder strong i know i always thought he had a huge future he was terrific on this show i mean 
a Sean-centered episode is going to be a great episode. And it's going to be heavy, too. Yeah, it's going to be good because he's, and they really thought about his backstory. And every time, like, if his dad or his grandfather showed up, or I can't remember if his dad or his uncle, um, that was... And then it was his mom, because his mom ran out on him a whole bunch of times. Okay, because if I'm remembering, if there was a Chet Hunter, I think Blake Clark, did he play his dad? Yeah, that was his dad. His dad was Chet. And every time okay. his mom ran out on them, his dad would basically take the house and because it was a trailer and, you know, run around the country trying to find her and track yeah. her down and bring her back, which yeah. left Sean without a mom or dad. Uh, and uh, and then there like they gave him so many things. There was that there was an episode during the uh, storyline where. Corey breaks up with Topanga. Um, there's a party going on, and Sean knows about it. And Corey finds out, and he's like, "Why am I not invited?" And they're like, "Cause you're a bummer. You're just, you're just, you know, so sad about breaking up with Topanga. No one wants to hang around with you, cause you're just moping around all the time." And so Corey starts drinking, and it was a big thing. And Sean joins in, and it becomes this huge thing. But then the episode can, but they get caught like halfway through the episode. And kind of Corey has his, you know, big moment and he confronts his parents and then they move on. But then Sean keeps drinking. And then suddenly it becomes about Sean, you know. And then later on in the and later on in the series, there's another one where uh, his dad dies, that being a huge episode. Mm. Uh, give him an episode where um, Corey, when he's with Topanga, thinks that Sean is having sex for the first time uh, because, you know, he's at home and there's this girl from school that's at home with him. Oh, yeah. And he th- he thinks that you think it's going to be all about like, are we ready for sex kind of thing? And it's actually because the girl's getting uh, beat by her father. And Sean becomes the kind of the the character through, through which they kind of bring up the story of you know they give all the heavy things to him yeah um and they really yeah they they really wrote his character very well i mean they wrote all the characters very well and uh i remember just um, this is the last thing i'll say there was an episode season six episode seven it is my favorite episode of this show and i think about it all the time and it happens to be the episode that co-stars ben savage's brother fred as a teacher named stewart who hits on Topanga in her dorm room. Of course. And then Corey confronts him about it. He shoves him. And then there's this hearing about whether Corey should be suspended and kicked out of school. Um, And there's this big trial. Fred Savage is actually amazing in it. Um, Ben Savage is amazing. Everyone's amazing. And it's just a great episode. Um, And... uh, I mean, this real this show really. I mean, in addition to like my parents and other things, but like th- this show kind of gave me my morals. <laughs> you know, I I I actually did learn a lot of things about life from yeah. this show. So, um, so yeah, that that's my number two. That's your number three. So um, good. I mean, it, and I yeah, I there it's it's one of the few times where a show. Um, lives up to the title 
mm-hmm. that sticks to the purpose of the show and actually succeeds. Yeah. Like it, it manages to be both entertaining and teach you something. Yeah. Which especially comedy shows, there's one of the first things I picked up when I was watching TV, even as a kid, mm-hmm. was like, you know, these family comedy shows, they start off funny, but after a while, they just become serious all the time and they're not that fun anymore full house you know <laughs> yeah yeah whereas every episode was that oh actually whereas uh boy meets world at least to my memory didn't forget to be funny no and they always spaced them out if, if they had a heavy episode they'd make sure to follow it up with like episodes that ended really silly mm-hmm. or or the tension wasn't quite as serious and they always kind of balanced everything out so it wasn't like every episode had that sad music and here's the moral let me teach you you know yeah it 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 spaced it out there were there were times when mr feeney was like i don't know i can't help you like they actually had moments where Mr. Feeney didn't solve it um and there's a line i actually use a lot where Corey's having this recurring dream before he's getting married of killing uh sean in his dream every single time um and in one dream he talks to uh mr feeney he thinks it's in real they do a bait and switch he's in class and he thinks he wakes up from a dream where he's killing sean um and so he talks to mr feeney and he says you know he gives him some line about you need to forgive him and you need to and of course Corey, he comes in he has a gift for him and he's like listen i forgive you and and then he gives him a thing and then of course the next uh dream he has he kills sean and so he goes to actual mr feeney and he says you gave me bad advice feeney and the line i repeat all the time is like i'm not responsible for dream feeney like anytime my wife has a dream where it's like really weird like whenever we have weird dreams we always talk to like like yes you the funnest conversation yeah it's like you like you broke up with me but you were like throwing peanuts at me and then i would be like i'm not responsible for dream dream me or sometimes i'll say i'm not responsible for dream feeny you should be like what like, yeah. ah. um way to go see that's a good i gotta learn that line because i immediately go the other way it's like i would never do that i'm so sorry the dream sam did that that is not part of the of the Sam brand. That is not what we're about. Uh, we would never do that. So rest assured. <laughs> You're like a shoe company. Right. For your I'm company. so I am so woke. I send the emails out. I tell you that I am so whatever <laughs> the popular political thing is, I'm going to email you about it and tell you this brand stands with such and such. And we always have. <laughs> we here at Tommy Hilfiger stand with the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> we always have. Yeah. So in our ads. Um, yeah. Here at Ralph Lauren, we've always thought of, we've always valued the common man. <laughs> we've right. always believed in a, in a uh, $15 minimum wage. Oh. Um, um so, one other guy. Yeah. I I gotta mention one other guy from, before I move on to mine. I'm sorry. This is gonna we we're probably gonna reach Joe Rogan level uh podcast length. Oh, but yeah. 
um, without the uh, weird takes. Yeah. Um, though I've said some weird things already. <laughs> uh, Will Friedel, the Eric Matthews. Mm-hmm. That's another guy. How did that rocket not take off? His comic what, what timing. He went into voice acting. His comic timing is amazing. Is. I still remember uh, one of the jokes was uh, they're driving and for some reason, uh, I can't remember which one of them. I think it might be Corey doesn't have pants. Mm-hmm. I think this is when he, maybe he develops like a food addiction or whatever. And he's driving along. He's like, and he sees a billboard and says, mm, 20, 20 miles to yogurt. I want some yogurt. And Eric says, I want you in pants. <laughs> Just, his commentary was so good. Oh, yeah. So uh, good. Oh. He does have the credit of being Batman and the only Batman that uh, has ever played this version of Batman, Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis. Oh, really? For Terry McGinnis. Um, on Batman Beyond and then on other series where that character pops up. And he's the only voice actor who has ever done that character. And he's become a a part of the DC universe, like in the comics too, because it became so popular. So as of right now, if you're a fan of Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond, there was only one actor and it was Will Friedel or Friedel. You can't figure it out. Um, Anyway, uh, so that was my number two. That was your number three. Yes. So we're back to you again. What's your number two? Okay, my number two. My number two selection is no surprise uh, to anyone who follows me on Instagram. 60 Minutes. That is correct. Um, (laughs) I just love the news. One episode where they talked about a problem that hasn't been fixed. (laughs) It's so tragic. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I can't tell you how much uh, a young Sam Logan was impacted by the charisma of Andy Rooney. <laughs> All that and Andy Rooney on tonight's 60 Minutes. What's the deal with stamps? Why are they so small? Um, again, I'm making specific jokes for people who were like 36. <laughs> but, but for, for those who, who share my age group, I can hear you laughing. We're we're killing it right now. I know it. Um, the actual number two is another old man pick, but it is something that um, ha- I did watch as a kid that has become, as I check it out as an adult and a documentary a couple of years ago, uh, really opened my eyes to the importance of this show was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That show that my... Um, How did I not one of, there's a lot of There's a lot of great things one can say about... I could say about my mom. And one of them was she sat me in front of the TV to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, um, she was very conscious of what I watched and cared about what I watched. And she knew when I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I was watching something important. I was watching something good. I was watching something that would result in something positive Mm -hmm. for me as a kid. 
And I didn't know, I didn't always get it as a kid. Yeah. Um, I watched it. I thought it was fun. Um, but looking at it as an adult, it felt like, it felt like the sixth sense. It felt like a Rashomon or something where I was like, oh my word, this stuff is great. Yeah. And that's why this is number two. And it was nearly my number one because this stuff is still good to watch and yeah. it is still really, really important. Um, that he addresses so many issues and brings them down to a kid's level without insulting them. He He's, brings it down to a kid's level without talking down to them. Yes. At the same and time. the one of the overarching and he's not lessons. afraid to like confront big issues either no big kids entertainment or they're like certain topics are off limits because it's like oh this might be too hard to talk to a kid about but he's like no they'll, they'll understand you just gotta yeah. you know just gotta do it right it's easy and he would maybe not it's easy but and he right. would make it seem easy right because that was the interesting thing about him that um he actually was an, uh, he was an ordained minister and he saw this TV show as his ministry mm -hmm. to kids and the overarching theme of patience. Nothing was happening at a quick pace. And I thought it was weird as a kid, but you realize as an adult, he's teaching you how time is. Yeah. How, what happens in real time and how a clock works and just, okay, let's, I'm gonna tell you this thing and we're gonna dwell on it for a couple of seconds. We're gonna wait. Yeah. Imagine that. This is a TV show where it says on a regular basis, we're gonna wait, we're gonna sit here. Mm -hmm. And it's so invaluable. On yeah. top, on, along with that, uh, being a guy who was just of such great patience with people and he met so many people, um, like Yo-Yo Ma. He saved PBS. Sure. Yeah. Yes, he literally saved PBS. That's one of the big uh, viral videos on Facebook of him explaining what he does and the value of the value of communicating to, to children the importance of feeling emotions and expressing them and not being afraid to express them. Yeah. And why and, does a country need to invest in that? Yes. Because it's such vital importance. It's so good. And I'm probably going to break down at, at some point talking about this. But the fact that this, that this, this specific phrase and his type of characterism, um, you know, was, kind, was parodied and mocked frequently. Because, um, you know, it, it can be. It's, but... If, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's cheap and easy, um, but if you stop and really think about it as an adult, think about the phrase that was frequently used as a punchline. I like you just the way you are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> like that was the line that was used as a joke. And oh my word, as an adult. Mm -hmm. Just think, I like you just the way you are. And the, you know, the other thing everyone makes fun of as well, that's an easy, because it's such a weird, 
or it seems like such a weird thing, is referring everyone to neighbor, as a neighbor. Yeah. But the idea of doing that as a way of being like, I'm like, we're all in a, in a singular community. We're all each other's neighbors. And neighbors yeah. are people you care for. Neighbors are people you're there for and you, you root for and you help out when they need help. And we're all neighbors to each other. And like, and it, you know, you talked about the patience thing. And I feel like maybe that's why I've always, I've never really bought into the idea that kids naturally have, you know, low attention span. Mm -hmm. I feel like adults don't have the patience to invest time into waiting for kids. Yeah. You know, they just want kids to just naturally have that patience and that sense of, uh, you know, time. But adults, don't, you know, because you have so much stuff to do, you know, you, you grow impatient. And I know as a father, like, I, <laughs> it's like, I just want, there are times when I'm like, why can't you just get this? Like, yeah, right yeah. you forget like, oh, you're a child, you literally know nothing about the world. You're still learning everything. Yeah. It's my job to teach you those important things. And yeah. I need to be the patient one in order for you to be. Otherwise, you're just going to be exactly like me. You know, you're going to grow up impatient and everything and want things right away. Um, it's a problem of mine that get, it's a problem of ours as the older generation that descends into the younger generation. Um, because, uh, you know, and I've, you know, I work with kids and I work with kids on the spectrum. I can tell you right away, impatience is not a natural thing. It's not just like the natural state of people. Um, you know, there are a lot of kids I work with that have such incredible patience. A lot of them don't, but there are a lot of them that have amazing patience and it floors me. And it's, uh, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really upset at myself now because I did not think about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He's not on my list because I, I just never thought about it. Well, again, I have the benefit of being so old. Um, but that... he, I still watched him growing up. Although I got to admit, the, I would always, I would watch him about half the time the one I always caught, and now now that I'm speaking about it, I'm like, this should have been my number one. My real number, my number one is coming up, but my real number one should be Reading Rainbow, because that's the one oh. I caught all the time. Every I'm time I watched, it, right? Yeah, every time I watched Reading Rainbow, I caught Miss Rogers about half the time. I caught Reading Rainbow every time I could. So good. And it, it it really made me want to go read it. There were so many times I would watch it and I would tell my mom, I want to go to the library. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Watching a television show and immediately after being like, let's go where there are free books and I can rent one and bring it home and read for a while. Yeah. That show made me want to read. Yeah, like, it was so bad. Oh, it, was, it was audible before audible was audible. It was a visual, yeah. it was a visual audiobook and it was great yeah it, it was I just the whoever it is they had narrating well i don't was it lavar burton every time it was lavar burton it was his kind of child uh 
it was his baby. It was his project. Uh, always sure. was. He was a student of, in terms of children's entertainment and education, of Mr. Rogers, of Fred Rogers. Hmm. So there is a lot of his DNA in that because he learned, and he to this day he quotes a lot of things he learned from Fred Rogers hmm. about children and about teaching children and about. Uh, you know all those things and he kind of carries that kind of spirit with him too yeah. um, so so yeah uh he he was the host of of the show and it was like all the you know field trips and things like that like the um yeah anyway but that's not my actual number <laughs> that's my that's my like should have been my number one but my actual number one on my list yeah because that was your number two. Yes, correct. My actual number one on the list is actually not a surprise if you know me. Batman the Animated Series. The defining show of my childhood, the defining show of who I am mm -hmm. as an adult. Because before I knew anything, when you asked me, you know, when you ask kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer was Batman. The first answer I ever gave to anyone wasn't I want to be a cop or a fireman or a doctor or whatever it is kids say. It was I want to be Batman. For a long time, that was my answer. For an embarrassingly long time, that was my answer. And then I found out like, oh, you can't be Batman because reasons. But <laughs> yeah, there are too many, there are too many um, to get into. Yeah. Not for one being mainly, I'm not rich, um, <laughs> but the other, but, you know, so then I learned like, oh, act, if you're an actor, you get to go someplace and put on the outfit and be Batman for a little bit and pretend. And I was like, that's the next best thing. I'll be an actor. And, you know, 30 something years later, you know, acting is what gave me my life today. And mm -hmm. even acting right now, it's, you know, and it all started with Batman. And the, my entryway into Batman was Batman the Animated Series. Awesome. Kevin, what, can, I, yeah. can I just say one thing? Yeah. Can you guess what my number one is? And is why it's number one? Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> because I, the only reason, the only reason that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood's not number one is because I knew you would pick this as number one. And it was also... It was also number one on top of my list as well, automatically. Yeah. This show is amazing. It's amazing. Not only because we picked this both as number one, but the voice acting, the storytelling, the animation, it is all on point. It is all iconic. When I ask myself, what does Batman look like? You know what he has? He's got himself a square jaw. Yeah. And he, and he looks like, and he sounds like Kevin Conroy. Every that time, is my Batman. Absolutely. Every time I read Batman, the voice in my head is Kevin Conroy's Batman and Mark yes. Hamill as Joker. Yeah. Those voices. It's too good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tattooed in my brain. It is a part of my imagination. It is just, it was so good. It is, it is again, similar to when we talk about shows that are good for your childhood. It is not insulting yeah no. to its audience no, no. it actually it actually it was one of the few shows as a kid 
I had an adult tell me they watch this show. I had my swim teacher tell me, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I watch that too. I was like, you watch that too? Yes, like, because really? it's on TV. Yeah, it was so great. And like, there, there are so many like things that, I mean, I love the animation. It's, I mean, the animation is a, in its style is a throwback to the old Superman uh, Fleischer mm-hmm. cartoons, which I remember as a kid, I had a VHS tape of the Fleischer cartoons and I actually would watch them a lot and so when this show came on I was like I kind of you know there's there's something really appealing and I loved you didn't really it was kind of a timeless you know setting it's like they had old cars and old phones but Mm -hmm. you know they had computers and modern things so you kind of couldn't place it where like the architecture was like something from like the 20s but they had cars from the 40s and 50s and their phones from the 80s and they had computers from you know current time in the 90s and and it was like it it made it really great and the like you said the voice acting was amazing so good and some of the best story like the best rich some of the best written batman stories absolutely period movie tv comics books anywhere this is some of the best and they continued that trend when they did superman the animated series which was another favorite of mine but this is where it begins batman the animated series and another thing oh that just came to my mind yeah that we haven't brought up that if we don't will be a a a dramatic disservice to the show not only the animation not only the storytelling not only the voices but the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Batman the Animated Series is the music. Oh yeah. That theme music, that, that title sequence, iconic. That music, it's up there with John Williams's music for Superman it, as being exactly who the character is. Yeah. It is so good. And yeah. it, it's, oh, it's so, and again, it is, you know what it is? It's, it's the opposite of insulting it's elegant yeah absolutely and it's so for me every character and every everything on this show is the core and the essence of who those characters and this world is Mm -hmm. kind of like simplifies it kind of like the drawings they're very simplified you know straight lines not too much clutter um, not overly drawn, um, very smoothly animated. That, that's kind of the core of who these characters are and that, what they do. And I love that they managed to make the Joker menacing. Yeah. But one, what we need to learn from now days, comics writers and you know movie makers and such, mm-hmm. don't need to use the Joker all the time yeah in fact it's better if you don't it's better if he pops up for like really big things devastates your heroes and then when they take care of them you don't see him for a while yeah because they live with the consequences so then when he shows back up again it's oh no yeah one thing if two-face shows up again it's one thing if the penguin shows up again but if he shows up again uh uh-oh Right. This should be, yeah. 
it should be a huge deal. This should be world-ending yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and they managed to make him menacing without with still being in the context of kid appropriate. So he's yeah. not killing people or anything, and he's not mutilating their bodies, but almost in a the whole laughing gas and leaving people just uncontrollably laughing with this rictus grin on their face oh. almost more terrifying than like cutting them up or killing them that's almost worse but yeah. it also rides that line of like if you're a kid you it's it's fine you know it's like you don't have to kill yeah. this weird but also it's like oh god are they like that permanently yeah and it's and the, like we said the voice act i have to give credit it, the original Mark Hamill is amazing. And he was originally, he came on, he he applied because he heard they were doing this and he is a huge comic book fan. Yeah. The way people are about Star Wars and Luke Skywalker, he is about comic books and superheroes. And so when he heard they were doing this, he, 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 want, he begged to be on the show in any way. And so they gave him a role and they thought like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, they found out he was really amazing. And the voice of the Joker was already cast and they were already recording with him. It was Tim Curry. You're kidding me. Nope. It was Tim Curry. Oh my word. And he was doing a very Tim Curry-esque Joker and it was great, uh, according to Mark Hamill. And, I bet. <laughs> and one thing, and he said this kind of happens... And they're friends, they have no, he's worked with them before and there's no like bad blood or anything for replacing them. It's just one of those animation things that he says happens where, and a lot, I've heard a lot of voice actors talk about this where, you know, you can do the best voice in the world. You can be the best voice actor in the world, but sometimes the animation and the voice, there's this, you can't really put words to it. Just something doesn't feel exact. And that's kind of how it was with the Tim Curry thing is they just kept watching it and they kept thinking like, something's off, something's off. And they're like, it, Tim's performance is good, but this doesn't feel complete yet. Hmm. And so they just recast him and they thought about Mark and they auditioned him. And one of the laughs he had to do, he was pulling from all these sources, but one of the sources he pulled from was he had recently done a performance of Amadeus uh, Peter Schaffer's Amadeus. Yeah. Where he played Amadeus. And if you know that show or that movie, yep. you know part of that character is a really annoying laugh. Mm -hmm. so he pulled some of that laugh, as well as some all these other things, to make his Joker laugh. And they cast him as it. Um, also, have another great John Glover, who played Lionel Luther on Smallville, who's a big part of my teenage years, um, played the Riddler. Um, and they introduced Harley Quinn, which is now every Hot Topics favorite character. Um, and but they introduced Harley Quinn as a walk-on role. That's, That's right. Batman. They they just wanted to vary it up and have the background look a little different. And Paul Dini and Bruce Tim worked on it, and they just thought visually it looked great. They cast Arlene Sorkin, uh, voice actor extraordinaire, who kind of did this Brooklyn. Yeah, Jewish Brooklyn kind of accent, yeah. or, uh, and the producers and Paul Dini and Bruce, they all fell in love with the character, and they were like, "Why don't we just make her a recurring character?" Yeah, 
even though there's no Harley Quinn in the stories, Joker's just a lone guy and sometimes he has henchmen. They were like, this kind of works. It's kind of, it's good. Let's just keep it anyway. And it yeah. added this, and now it's like, now she's completely separate from the Joker now when people yeah. think about her. Like, and my favorite episode, and there are so many. Oh, so many. Is the episode with the character by the name of the Gray Ghost, and it is a great episode to watch now, because the voice actor who did the voice of the Gray Ghost was Adam West. That's right. Yeah. Oh my word! In the context of this of the episode, Gray Ghost was this old television show about this kind of character like the Shadow. It's their version of the Shadow, basically, um, and. Bruce Wayne grew up loving that show and loving that character. And it kind of brings him back to a, when he thinks about it, to an era before his parents died. And Grey Ghost is basically Adam West. He's mm -hmm. walked up, he's typecast, he's not, he's miserable. Um, and then there's this crime that has to do with this unaired final, uncompleted final episode of the Grey Ghost show. And the crime is kind of syncing up with that episode, like that lost episode. And so he, Batman works with Grey Ghost and Grey Ghost learns about the importance of his work on a small scale, but also on a bigger scale. Um, and at the end, um, he's happy and he's signing autographs as the Grey Ghost. And Bruce Wayne comes in and he's in line after they work together as Batman. He doesn't know that Batman is Bruce Wayne. But he comes up to Adam. He comes up to the Grey Ghost, and he's like, uh, "Grey Ghost was my hero growing up." Um, and then he signs it, and he says, "And always, and he still is." And it was always a great episode because I whole like the idea of this Grey Ghost character, and that Batman has a Batman he loves, but also the idea of Batman. The, the, now, now watching it and seeing Adam West, who has passed on, like as it's it's a great tribute to him. And this this is before oh, Adam yeah. West kind of had his comeback, so to speak. This is way before that, um, before Family Guy and before people found out he was hilarious. Yeah, um, like the it's it's such. When Adam West died, this is the first thing I watched. Wow. I watched yeah. this, and then I watched a few episodes because I have all the uh, Adam West uh, shows, uh, Batman, um, on DVD. Um, oh. I watched a few of those. They're, those are, by the way, if you're a Batman fan, get over it. It's really funny. Those are I, really I tell you, I now, I'm, now that you bring that up, I'm kicking myself that it wasn't at least an honorable mention for me because, oh my <laughs> word, was that... That was entertaining stuff. Mm -hmm. And they, they knew exactly what they were doing at the time. Yeah. And it was Absolutely. it was fun. It was fun. It was actually my dad, my dad would was, you know, was he he was around during the time when that was airing. It was like, well, this is fun. And they would walk up the building and like Sammy Davis Jr. would pop his head out of the building yeah. going, Hey Batman, what's going on? See, and, the adults would see it and be like, This is absurd and hilarious and funny. And the kids yeah. would be like, Boy, I hope Batman and Robin can get out of this this thing. Uh, yeah. next, next week because yeah. I don't know maybe the Riddler got him I, you it know was, the drama was real to a kid but the parents oh. it was like hilarious and it was fun yeah. 
it was great. It was great TV. I mean, the um, and the movie, the movie, uh, the movie is fun. Uh, it is a great encapsulation of, uh, of that show. Just and it's more than just him carrying a large bomb over his head, going. Sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. Well, as uh, the Dark Knight yeah. Rises teaches us, you can get rid of a bomb. Oh my what word! What that movie was. Um, that's a oh, that's a, I can't wait for our uh, our movie season. Yeah. Uh, to talk about that. Um, but as but, far as as far as that, that episode, like, is such for me was a uh, was a great tribute to him, and you know, as an artist, the whole idea of the impact that you can make, you will probably never know. You know, right. there are so many people who like when I think about the things that touched my life. Yeah, like I would love to if I ever got a chance. To meet those artists and say thank you because this at a certain point was everything to me it either gave me joy or it it saved me from uh you know going down the wrong path or it gave me yeah. hope like and that yeah. idea of you've you know you like to think that you've had that impact but you will never know and the whole idea of like this one you know, having an impact and also saying like, thank you. It's almost like a thank you to Adam West in this Batman show that takes him seriously and and treats the character as he should be. Also having a nod and a wink at the Adam West Batman and saying like, I know a lot of people like to, you know, crap on you, especially at this point in the nineties, like, but like, you had a purpose at one point and we appreciate it and it's yeah. still loved and appreciated it may not people be people's go-to batman but for a lot of people it is and batman wouldn't be where they are he is today if it wasn't for you and to be that for that to be in in this series for me is amazing and there are so many great things that happened from this i mean it ran for two seasons from it ran from 92 to 95 and then they had uh the new adventures uh where they brought in bat where they brought in robin and uh batgirl and nightwing uh animation style changed a tiny bit uh from 97 to 99 at the same time superman the animated series was running also by the same creators then they followed it with batman beyond and then justice league and justice league unlimited and that kind of became my foundation for all the DC characters. Um, and they told amazing stories that today for the live action movies, they have chosen to ignore all that on terms of how you translate someone from effectively from a page to the screen. Mm -hmm. And it'd be like, I don't know, let's hire a director to do their take on it and then tell them like, no, I know we hired you to give your take on it, but we decided not to and give it to Joss Whedon. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, the, the thing, the, to, to isolate other things, aside from the fact that Batman the Animated Series is a show about Batman, it also is a great showcase of the fact that Batman has maybe the best rogues gallery of yeah. villains. The fact that the one of the highest rated episodes, at least according to IMDb, is an episode, I believe, by the name of Almost Had Him. 
where mm-hmm. all the oh. villains get together yeah and they talk about how they almost got batman yeah which is an episode where there's a lot of batman and not a lot of batman yeah they turned that into a someone turned that into a game on kickstarter and it's available like if you go on amazon you can find it it's called almost got him and it's based on that episode wow. where it's a card game <laughs> excuse me bless you it's a card game where you play villains but one of you is secretly batman and there's this thing of like the lights go out someone's taken out by batman and the villains you have to find out which one of you is the secret batman basically yeah. um and That's i've cool. always thought about getting it but it's like i don't have many people to play board games with um well that's a great episode yeah well you wait you wait a little bit you will yeah um but uh the the episodes that have stuck with me the most i think really are like the the villain origin stories i mean the one i immediately think of is heart of ice uh the origin of mr freeze they made that up for it he had no real he was just kind of a c-rate villain seriously they yeah. made they came up with that story yeah because he had no, amazing he had no it was just this guy with the gimmick of he froze stuff um it's kind of like the adam west show um made the riddler a, you know a main villain because before that riddler was like that was getting into really ridiculous territory yeah like real d-list villain yeah it was d-list um, villain that was a great thing about that about Adam West's show. Sorry to bring that yeah. topic back up again. Was the actors they got to play those villains? Yeah, A level actors. You're getting Burgess Oops. Meredith playing the Penguin. Yeah, oh, was it Caesar Romero playing uh, the Joker? Yeah, these are excellent actors. These are well trained TV, stage, and screen yeah. actors that are doing this campy show, they and they're a, killing it. And they got a great actor for. Uh, forget his name but for for the riddler and so that's so for batman the enemy to say they kind of did that for mr freeze because he really didn't have any kind of depth to him at all they gave it to him that whole thing mm-hmm. about his wife and his wife being like ill and him trying to find a cure yeah. the whole idea of that his whole gimmick of being frozen is a metaphor for his frozen heart yeah like that poetic nature of it, which was nominated for an Emmy. I don't know if it won it. I think it won it for writing. Um, uh, the actor who played it uh, apparently had, re- who played Mr. Freeze, had a lot, he got nominated for, I think, an Emmy. Uh, didn't win one, but um, I remember Mark Hamill saying that that actor had a real trouble trying to do that role, but he was like a very accomplished stage and screen actor. Um, hmm but he was always used to playing big charismatic characters. And here he's playing a character who has to be almost robotic, but have a tiny layer of emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, They also do Two-Face really well. Um, Oh, that is, I tell you, that's one, um, Richard Mall. Yeah. I played Two-Face. He was the, uh, I think he was like the security guard from uh, uh, Night Court for all you old folks out there. (laughs) Um, uh, And he, that origin story, that animation from start to end, I believe this was a two-parter. 
It was. It was, yeah. Which was both the best and the worst of Batman the animated series when things were two parters, because they really told a story. Oh yeah. Um the killer was when they kept showing part one and they wouldn't give you part two. Yeah. Um God. but it didn't matter how many times I watched part one and part two of the of the uh two face mm -hmm. uh, origin story. Incredible drama. And I love they added the idea that and i've always loved it not everyone has kind of rolled with it the idea that like that he kind of has mental issues already yeah harvey dent i mean they show him in therapy undergoing hypnosis and this other personality comes out big bad harvey yeah and he uses the two-faced voice and so the idea of when this accident happens, it splits and it makes that unconscious personality fully conscious. And not only that fully conscious, but the dominant thing, like for me, that's like so deep and so interesting and so many and, things in mind there. Um, yeah. Like, was he made this way or was he always like this? And then an accident just jarred him loose. In which case, can he go back to being who he was? Mm -hmm. And there was also a really great episode that did involve where there was this character going around basically killing, actually killing all these crooks. And Batman's trying to find out who this guy is. Turns out it's Two-Face. Because this whole thing is like, he's killing all these people and judging them guilty and like killing them. Mm -hmm. And it's two-face into different guys and he's just gone way off the deep end and it ends with him in arkham asylum judging himself in that voice being like, and then it, it like changes from the voice he was using as this other character to his regular two-face voice judging himself guilty and just wow. like in a very crazed state there are so many moments and like we could go on and on about it but like it it's a show i and as a matter of fact before we started recording i don't know if you do this but as a dog owner whenever i leave the house or i leave the dog in a room by the by herself i have to turn the tv on for them <laughs> because it's this weird thing of like well i don't want to leave them alone i'm not a monster um but but it's also so like she hears noises coming from the tv so she doesn't focus on the noises outside and just oh, good idea. on barking her head off. That's so, a good idea. I don't know if it works because I'm not here the whole time, but I mean, she hasn't really, she's barked a few times, but not a whole bunch. So works a little, uh, but I put on Batman, the animated series, uh, you know, <laughs> Max, I put it on and then I come in here to start up all the equipment and everything. And then I just hear her barking her head off and I realize I just started the first episode. First episode is a Catwoman episode. <laughs> and so I'm out there and I hear all these screeches and I hear, you know, and I see my dog at the door barking and I'm like, oh, my bad. All right, let's go to a non-Catwoman episode. <laughs> Oof, should have done Clayface, I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually did go to a Clayface episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, here, Clayface, there's no... Yeah talk about talk about i think that show i don't know if batman in general just has a i don't know what they're trying to say about mental health but i think they're trying to say mental health is important because 
if you don't have a good uh, stranglehold on and you have the good tools to keep yourself grounded and sane, you become a super villain. Yeah. Uh, because the Clayface story, I think, maybe scared me the most. Yeah. Because it yeah. went from one, uh, one uh, a guy being terribly disfigured, which, uh, according to entertainment, taught me as a kid, could happen to me and I should be freaked out about that or being like it happens a all car wreck. The time. It was always about either being horribly disfigured or being horribly injured. Like I was convinced as a kid, something terrible is going to happen to me uh, based off the reality of entertainment. Yeah. So the Clayface episode scared me because, oh, no, yeah, he's been he's been disfigured and his whole livelihood is, is his looks. And so he gets this. Uh, th what is it? That clay stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fix it. It's like this miracle stuff. What I what, I can't remember where he got it from, but for some reason. It's like this miracle stuff that where he can fix his face and make it into anything until eventually, I mean, it, he, he needs more of it. That's all. Yeah. He needs more of it. And then it just becomes all of it. It, you know, it's that classic, you know, it's, it's the classic structure of any Greek, ancient Greek story of, you know, uh, in terms of the villains anyway, like, you know, so much empathy and you yeah. sympathize with the person so much, but you also see the tragic flaw. And it's always the classic, it's always the classic like pride, you know, hubris. Yeah. In almost yeah, that, the case, except for Joker, because he's the X Factor, he's the devil incarnate. Right. Um, and that's why I think what made it such a good show is that the fact that they start, they introduce, uh, I think, every villain with their origin story. Yeah. So if you watch it from the beginning, you can't help, but you can't separate them from their origin. Mm -hmm. You know that bad guy's story from the beginning, which makes the story you're about to watch even better. Yeah, because then when Batman's trying to say to, you know, Mr. Freeze, I, let me help you. Or when he's telling, you know, Two-Face, like, Harvey, please, I can help. Let me help you, Harvey. Yeah. Not listening. It's like. That's also the other thing that this, for me, is why it's the core of who Batman is, is despite all the darkness and despite all the, you know, vengeance upon evildoers and striking fear into their hearts, like, he's essentially has the same message as even Superman, which is, let me help you. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to help. I want to help you. Um, some people can't be helped, like the Joker, <laughs> but... yeah. But those he he can help he tries and um, the uh, it's an amazing show and uh, that's why it's number one. Why it's number one and why we have come to an end to our very uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> you were right; it's a very Joe Rogan episode. Yeah, aren't you glad we only did five? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah the only thing this is missing to make it a real joe rogan episode is a hot take on you know the COVID or or weed you know i just i just you know you know i've i've been into a lot of you know sense deprivation tanks and you know you get a real good idea of yourself and your you know your concept of who you are and that's why i think it should be okay for me to tell trans jokes i just as a comedian <laughs> Wait a minute, Joe. That's a weird left turn. Yeah. Not to that. 
Yeah. And also, yeah. Um, don't vaccinate your kids. Just don't. Yeah. 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 For. Uh, oh. Yeah. Whatever. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I tell you. But also, but then he'll be like, all right, now I have an amazing interview with this incredible guest, and we're going to have an amazing interview. So you're going to have to be like, do I listen? Or yeah, oh, no, he's definitely a, he's definitely a, a, a pick and a pick and choose podcaster. Yeah, I tell you, I, he, his talk with Quentin Tarantino is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, his, his is definitely whoever the, whoever the guest is yeah. uh, for me because I tell you he is the most I don't I don't I don't think he's as awful or as dangerous as people say he is no. as you know as the what ten percent of, of the population of the world that's on Twitter though it pretend it's it pretends it's the one hundred percent of the population um, but I think he is an incredibly uh he's incredibly flip-floppy to a hilarious extent oh you go from one episode to the other he yeah. says one thing and then totally says the other because he's he's clayface he just shifts and moves with his guest that's a good tie-in that's what he yeah. is he's clayface <laughs> oh yeah he has so many episodes where he's trashing professional wrestlers and yeah. then his episode he did with the undertaker yeah he's kissing wrestlers asses exactly someone did a super cut of him talking with the undertaker and like praising like oh wrestlers are so tough and all that with him like just making fun of them yeah so i don't yeah so i don't know if that makes him a dummy or does that make him a podcasting genius uh probably both to to just go along you know because it's not like what are you going to confront the undertaker about wrestling being fake i don't know he confronts a lot of people that maybe he shouldn't confront that's the other thing. Sometimes he like gives people the easy pass, and then he'll be really harsh on people that I feel like, well, like why, like why? Right. <laughs> Weren't you hard to the person who's espousing, you know, you know? Yeah. Once you, yeah, once conspiracy you, theories. Joke. Yeah. Once you grill Alex Jones just a little bit more than uh, some other folks. Seriously. Seriously. I'm a, I don't know, man. I'm a, That's not my play. Sorry, folks. I'm a Christian man. I didn't start to get angry, but. Uh... Well, you gotta go on infowars.com go to the shop and you gotta get this new protein shake it just it this has all the stuff that can get your body just just feeling really right and uh it's you know it's just fifty dollars an ounce and you're gonna want as much as you can get uh because i got legal bills coming out the yin yang and i gotta pay my lawyers those i tell you what i'll tell you right now folks those sandy hook parents are about to cave my head in <laughs> So those I need to buy these pills and then jump in a lake. Those that's what real men do. Those 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 actors pretend to be those those victims. They're uh, they're really good and they're really sensitive. One yeah. reason. It's almost as if they lived a real tragedy, and uh, maybe I'm just. Uh, it's possible I could be a terrible person, or maybe just two thirds of the frogs in Houston are bisexual. You you make you decide. You decide. I'm just, I'm just giving you facts, folks. Yeah. I've got, I've got all the documents here. I'm just. This is my opinion, but I'm also not sharing my opinion. I'm just giving you facts, and you make it up for yourself. I'm a newsman, but also it's my opinion, and I'm fighting for it. And you shouldn't, America. <laughs>
anyway, this has been our review of uh, Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan. And now if you An episode yeah, if you about it, our childhood favorite shows. Yeah, if you oh. made it, if you made it to the point of the podcast where we did dueling uh, Alex Jones impressions, uh, please uh, shoot us an email and tell us why. Yeah, <laughs> why you have stuck around this long. And yeah, thank you very much. Email us or set, put it in the iTunes review. Um, what uh, I know the truth. Just put that in the iTunes review. Yeah. Do five stars and just put I know the truth. Yeah, there you go. Um, we'll be back in about a month. Uh, and I promise it will be shorter. Or maybe it won't. I don't know. I don't know. Because this was a lot of fun. So if we have as much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be, you know, it, the longer they get, it's usually the indication of us just rolling. So yeah, you're welcome, world. <laughs> and no need to thank us. I know you needed this. So <laughs> thank you for and listening. You'll, and you'll never have to. <laughs> and with that, we will leave you. Thanks a lot. Hey everyone, it's Kevin here. I uh, just want to give a big thanks to Otho Molina for providing the uh, royalty-free song. Um, he composed the song that is going to be our intro music for season two. Uh, I just randomly found him on YouTube. Uh, you can find him on YouTube at Otho Molina. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, please go check him out. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed this season. Thank you.